Discipline and consistency separate the good from the great. Welcome to the Millionaire Woman Show, where we'll be discussing leadership, business, human potential, inspiring you to live rich from the inside out. Unlock your creativity, stretch out of your comfort zone, break through your barriers, take inspired action, and achieve epic results. Now here's your host, three-time best-selling author, speaker, and certified executive coach, Deborah Kozowski. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Millionaire Woman Show, where we have phenomenal guests talking about books, strategies that apply to life, business, and leadership, so you can live your life rich from the inside out. Today, I have a very special guest, a mentor of mine, Bo Eason, a former NFL standout, acclaimed Broadway playwright and performer and international presence and story coach. He has trained with some of the world's most brilliant performance and movement coaches, logging in over 20,000 hours on stage, crafting and presenting his personal story. Bo is now dedicated to helping others tap with their personal power story and becoming effective and persuasive communicators. And I am so grateful to have you on the show because I have personally attended one of your personal story power workshops this past May in La Jolla and it was phenomenal. So welcome to the show, Bo. Thanks, Deborah. So great to see you again. How's that, uh, how's your animal instincts working since you, uh, since May? Well, I have, acclaimed and declared that I'm a white tiger and I have been completely stepping into it. And I know we connected in Calgary and I was so proud to tell you I'm owning that white tiger and I'm also owning being the player versus the fan. And I would yeah. love for us to jump in and talk about some of these things in our interview today because I notice a shift in the energy when you make that declaration. And that, I know that's part of the four-step process. And I just want to show everybody, this is the brand new book that's come out. It's a national bestseller across the country. There is no plan B for your A game. And it's all about being the best in the world at whatever it is that you're choosing to be the best. And as you can see, I was showing Bo before we got started. I got highlights, I've got written in the margins, I got sticky notes of things that I want to personally implement, but also share with you in this interview so that Bo can showcase and tell us more about this book. So can you tell us a little bit more about, um, and I may I'll go to the beginning because I think you starting out and making that, and I know one of the steps is about declaration. And I know you made a declaration many, many years ago. Yeah, I made a, I, I love this term declaration, Deborah. I love it more than goals. I love it more than mission. And it, and it all goes back to when I was a kid because I was always moved by the Declaration of Independence. And I, I, here's how, why I was moved by it. Guys wrote that document that you and me, you know, we didn't know, right? We didn't know the founding fathers 250 years ago, yet every American... Um, walks our country and speaks in our country and is a certain way in our country. Um, and what we do is we bring that declaration to life each and every minute of each and every day for 250 years. That's moving to me. There's a declaration and you and me bring it into existence every day. 
I thought, what if I had my own declaration that I could bring into existence every single day? I like doing that. That's why, you know, I wrote the book is because the declaration is really the centerpiece. Once you know what you want to be the best at, then everything else pretty much falls into place. But most people don't know what they want to be the best at and they don't declare it. Once they do, it's pretty reasonable. It happens like fairly quick and it's really doable once you do that. That's, that's really what the book is all about. And the, and the title, Deborah, just so you know, I just I always think this is funny because I, yeah, the title, There's No Plan B for Your A-Game, uh, I often say this sentence that I have it written right here uh, on my wall, and it's this. The only reason you're not the best in the world at what you do is you have a plan B. That's the only reason. You have a plan B, so you're operating as a B player. You're trying to achieve the B plan, the plan B, which is kind of mediocre. I want people no options. It's only plan A and nothing else. And that's, that's the title uh, of the book because of that. And I know your energy shifts when you focus on a plan B. You get distracted. You get so many things coming up. And I think sometimes people are scared of being the best. And I actually had a conversation with my son about this. And he goes, Mom, you got to think about how you phrase that. Am I going to walk into a room and say, I'm the best and feel like I'm bragging? And I said, you know what? I'm going to talk to Bo about that. Because I think people get intimidated by showing up as the best. Yeah, I agree. And your son, how old's your son? 17. Perfect. My kids do the same thing. They go, Dad, um, all the kids at school say that being the best is conceited and cocky and all these things. And I always say, well, maybe I should come have a little chat with the school. <laughs> and here's what I say. You, we have to remember or rather re-remember who we are naturally. Like you have to, you have to revisit Mother Nature way back at, at your conception to understand how you and I are actually made. And on, I always remind my kids of this. I remind my clients of this, that, you know, uh, on the day of our conception, uh, there was 300, 300 million sperm delivered on that day. And all with a million years of design and evolution have taught those sperm to do one thing. And that one thing was to fertilize the egg, right? So all those sperm, 300 million of them, you and me were one of them, um, our instinct was to win that race and fertilize that egg. And you and me against 300 million to one odds won the very first race we ever entered. That's who you and me are. That's who we, and, and if you want to argue with me, you're, you're going to have to take it up with mother nature, right? Because I'm not going to argue with you about who you are because you're the best already. And then you're born into this world. And now it seems like most of our, our culture is trying to prove that they're mediocre. Our education system tries to teach you that it's not right to try to be the best. It's, it's cocky, it's conceited, it's selfish. 
And I say the opposite is true. There is nothing more humbling than attempting greatness. Nothing more humbling. Um, it is your birthright to achieve this greatness. And it actually raises everybody around you instead of push them down. Most people think that if I'm attempting to be the best, that hurts everybody else. No, that helps everybody else. They see you attempt, attempting greatness. I'm not even saying you have to achieve it. I'm saying you have to attempt it. And on, on, for those many years that you're attempting this greatness and you're dedicated to this declaration, everybody around you, Deborah, starts to play and vibrate at a higher level. And they go with you right to the top. I think that's our birthright. I think that's more responsible um, to who we actually are than trying to be mediocre. One of the things that you talked about in your book that really struck a chord with me, and when you talk about elevating people around you, was when your friends came to your pro game. And these were guys that you said that were better than you, who could have achieved as well, but it's somewhere along the way they stopped playing. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very, that, that story is very, the one you just told is very, it's a very humbling day when that happens to you. So imagine you're a kid and, and the other kids, whatever your declaration or your dream was um, to be the best dancer or to be the best uh, saxophonist. Um, but there's a bunch of people ahead of you and they're better than you. And they seem to have more gifts than you. Um, one day, if you stick to your declaration and those other people who are ahead of you, if they quit, if they stop or they get distracted from their declaration, you're going to pass them up. And one day, those people who were once your friends and your peers and they were actually better than you, one day you're going to pass them and they're gonna to have to pay, buy a ticket to come watch you play the saxophone. And they're gonna to have to buy a ticket to come watch you in the Olympics. And one, uh, many years ago, they were better than you, and now they're not. And that is a tough day for them, and that is a tough day for you. It's very humbling to face that day. So I want all of you to remember that that is going to happen to you, because once you have a declaration, you don't quit the declaration. There's only one way out of your dreams. You, 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 you proactively have to quit your own dreams. Think about that. Quit your own life to achieve mediocrity. Um, that is a sad day for everyone. That's why I don't want anyone who's watching us today, who's on this podcast, I don't want anyone to surrender to that plan B. I want you to stick with the declaration stay loyal to that because almost nobody on our planet stays loyal to their dreams and the ones that do we actually recognize their names we know who they are that's why i want everyone who's watching today to do that to stay loyal to the one thing that is the most important thing in your life which is your dream or your declaration and one of the things that really stands out is when you think of those individuals on the other side of the fence at some point, it's about the story they told themselves. Yeah. They succeed or fail based on the story that 
they tell themselves. So tell me about the mindset that's required for being that A player, being in that, having only that one plan. Yeah, you just, uh, the first thing I would do is just, you, you have to go back to your roots. You have to remember who you are. We just talked about that with Mother Nature. And Mother Nature, if you think about Mother Nature, she's undefeated, like she's never lost. Think about that. She's never wrong. She's never lost. So I'm always with her mentally. I'm always, a, there's, a, there's a great quote, Deborah, and you'll love this. It is, if you want to command mother nature, you must obey her. Right? So mo think of your community that you live in right now. If you look at them, 99% of them are flying directly in the face of mother nature. They're almost ashamed of their own nature. They're, they're, they're apologizing for who they naturally are. And they're just trying to fit into some mediocre job or some mediocre system. But you and me, we're not made that way. Our DNA isn't made to be mediocre. Our DNA is made to be the best. So we're more comfortable there. Um, I want people to remember that first and foremost. That's who, that's who you are. Secondly, I want them to make that declaration and start living into it on day one. Because you, that, your declaration might not come true for a year or 10 years or 20 years, but you can start being the best on day one. That's why I want you to make the declaration and start living it. Now, most people around you, they are going to be offended by somebody attempting greatness. Do you know why? Um, it's because it points out their life. It points out that they're not living their life uh, like they probably should. And they feel guilty about it. So they're naysayers or they say that's impossible. But think of your declaration like this. So, you know, when John F. Kennedy was the president, he made this declaration and it was so crazy that everyone just shook their head. He said, we're going to put a man on the moon. And you have to remember when this happened, this was in the early 60s. No one had ever thought of this. We're going to put a man on the moon and we're going to return him safely to earth. And so imagine when he declared that in that speech, everybody at NASA, everybody in the space program looking at each other going, what did he just say? What did he just declare? Did he say what I thought he said? Yes, he did. And all those people at NASA, in fact, the whole country uh, in the U.S. got behind that crazy declaration. And John F. Kennedy died in the middle of this thing. He was assassinated, and it still came true before the end of the decade. Isn't that cool? That's what's going to happen to you too. But there's also going to be a bunch of people getting away from you because of that declaration. Now, is your declaration crazier than putting a man on the moon and returning him safely? Well, I hope it is, but those people are going to leave you and then a bunch of smart people are going to come help you and get you there wherever you want to go with your declaration. It makes me think of the movie Hidden Figures, how everybody's behind the scenes making that dream happen. Yeah, that's exactly right. So what's the toughest part about making that dream come into existence? The toughest part is 
a lot of the work you're going to do is lonely. And it's going to be, this is a promise that I'll make you, is that it's going to be, it has to be, it's a biological necessity that it has to be uncomfortable. So think about that for a second. So my promise to you is that it's going to be uncomfortable. The only people that ever reach the top, now whether that's a gold medal or that's an Oscar or that's the, you're the best CEO or the best ballet dancer, all of them are comfortable or at least okay with or cool with being outside their comfort zone. You have to live beyond your current capacity to improve. Because we, us human beings will improve. In fact, we're the best at improving. We're the fastest, we're the best. That's why we're here and the dinosaurs aren't here, is that we adapt faster than most species, all species. So you've got to allow this human instrument that we all have to adapt. The only way to do that is to, is to play beyond your current capacity, which is uncomfortable, and you have to struggle. And then your body adapts to that new demanding situation and improves and gets better. Well, that's the only way you can reach the top is by getting better day in and day out. So I'll promise you this. If you're interested in being the best, which you already are, you just have to re-remember who you are and make the declaration. I can promise you it's, it's lonely and it is uncomfortable. But if you're cool with those two things, like you can kind of surrender to it, you can kind of understand that that's just part of the game. And you can understand that Mikhail Baryshnikov, Yo-Yo Ma, uh, Tom Brady, Usain Bolt, Simone Biles, um, Steve Jobs, they all had to go through this very same through thing that I'm asking you to go through. So if you're cool with that and you can accept that challenge, then you're gonna end up at the top. If you're not cool with being uncomfortable, chances are you won't improve, right? Therefore, you'll stay kind of in the middle. Um, that's why uh, I, you know, I always say, look, there's only, the only reason you're not happy with your life is you have a plan B. You're not happy because you're not fulfilling on your birthright. You're not fulfilling on your full potential because you, you opted for plan B. And one of the things that you also talk about, be prepared that when you put that stake in the ground and you make your declaration that the obstacles will show up. Oh man, for sure. So you know how we try to get through life? Like I was driving to my office today to do this podcast, right? So I'm driving to my office and all I'm trying to do, Deborah is it's probably the same as you were trying to do getting to your office was avoid obstacles like traffic and stoplights. I'm trying to avoid conflict and obstacles at all costs. But when you declare that you want to be the best at something, all kinds of obstacles are going to appear in your life. Naysayers, you know, people saying you can't do it, uh, the economy, all kinds of obstacles will come into place. You got to know that you are the one who created those obstacles. They are your responsibility. If I never declared that I wanted to be the best safety in the world, I would have had a carefree life. 
I would have just walked around as a nine-year-old, boop, 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 playing around, not a worry in the world. But I was a strange little kid that said I wanted to be not only a safety in the NFL, but I wanted to be the best safety in the NFL. So all of a sudden, all these obstacles came in front of Bo's path. I created them. So I had the power to circumvent them, to run around them, to go over them, to go under them, because they were my creation. You have to know the minute you make your declaration that you want to be the best in the world at blank, obstacles will now rear their heads and they're just there to make sure that you're up for the task. They're just, they're just like a fire-breathing dragon that shows up in front of everybody that's on a journey somewhere. They're, think of them like this. Everybody on there here, I hope, has seen The Wizard of Oz, right? So The Wizard of Oz, Dorothy is skipping down the yellow brick road without a care in the world, right? Until she has to go, you know, see the wizard. And then what does the storyteller do? They put a wicked witch in front of her as, as an obstacle. Now Dorothy has a mission. Now we're going to test Dorothy's resolve. Can she overcome this wicked witch? Can she overcome these flying monkeys? Right? You're going to have the same thing happen to you. And you should... Get down on your knees and thank God that you have it. Because if you don't have obstacles, you got no eyeballs on you. No one's interested unless there's conflict, unless there's obstacles. Because we just don't care as a human species of people who were born with a silver spoon in our mouths, their mouths. We're, we don't care if Dorothy skips down a yellow brick road. We don't care until the witch shows up, which is what I'm asking you to create by making your declaration. And the other thing, not only the obstacles that show up, but you also talk about needing to respect resistance. Yeah. It's more about that. Yeah, resistance, it, you gotta accept it. It is gonna be there. It, I know it's gonna be inside your own body. Your own body's gonna resist doing these things, right? So I'm sure that marathon runners, I'm not a marathon runner, but I'm sure their body is just going like this. Heck no, I do not want to run 26 miles today. But yet their commitment makes them take one step after the other for 26 miles. You're going to have the same resistance that those marathoners have. Every step of 26 miles, their body's going like this. Stop. Eat rest, sleep, do anything but take a step forward, yet you marathoners take a step forward. So resistance is always going to be there. You have to recognize it. You have to treat it with respect because it is a monster. And then you just go forward with your declaration. Well, that leads perfectly into a section of the book because I actually finished running my first marathon yeah. in August. Yeah. And one of the things that you talk about is keeping the faith and living out your declaration that faith already knows it's already received accordingly. Faith sustains you. And people of faith dress a certain way, talk a certain way, 
act a certain way because they know that in a sense, the outcome is already assured. It's done. Yeah. The, the minute, and I tell my kids this too, it's so funny. So uh, my kids have these really big dreams and these really big declarations. And I told them when they were young, when they were first doing these, you know, six and eight years old, and they made them, I go, do you know, because you had the ability to make that declaration, you wrote it down, you spoke it, you drew a picture. Do you know if you have the wherewithal to make that declaration, then you have the wherewithal to bring that thing into existence. In fact, it's already done. All you have to do now is run miles. I can't tell you when it's going to happen, but it is going to happen as sure as the nose on your face. It is that that's what I'm talking about when you talk about faith. With the minute that you declare it, it is already coming into existence. We just don't know when exactly. Your job now is to just keep riding the ship toward this declaration. That's all your job is, is to keep putting one foot in front of the other. Despite what the world says, despite what your parents say, you keep taking one step in front of the other. And sooner or later, the world catches up with your declaration and they become one. And your declaration, you being the best at something, comes into fruition into the world. I have experienced this four times in my life, you know, and that's just me personally. The people around me have, have experienced it also. And my clients have experienced it also. So I know this is how it is. And um, um, you just have to know if you have what it takes to declare, you have what it takes to bring that thing to fruition. Thank you, because it just solidifies some of the things that I do and people also saying, you know, Deb, maybe your standards are too high. <laughs> and I tell them, I think it's time for you to raise your bar. Right? That's like a high jumper, Deborah, like a high jumper in the Olympics about to jump eight feet and they look up at the bar and they go, you know what? I think we should lower my standards. I think we should lower the Olympic standards. Everyone at that moment would leave the stadium, all TV uh, uh, coverage would disappear as soon as somebody demanded that we lower our standards to win a gold medal. It's not courageous. It's not in our DNA. So that's what you have to say to those people like, come, Deb, I think you should lower your standards. You know, I, that's insane. But that's our culture. You know, that's a, kind of the culture that we're in. I just look at them and say, I don't know how you do that. And I don't have to figure it out. I'm sticking to my plan. So Right. Yeah. So at the beginning of the interview, we talked a little bit about the player. So just to give the audience a little bit of heads up, I would love for you to expand on the difference between the player and the fan. Yeah. Think about your life. Are you a player or are you a fan? So think, think back to when you were six or seven years old and you went to your mom and dad and you said to them, and we all did this, mom, dad, I have a dream. And that dream is to be the best ballerina in the world or something to that degree is what we all said. Not one of us said this sentence, not one of us. 
on this planet. Isn't that weird we can say that with a surety? Not one of us went to our parents and said, Mom, Dad, I have this ultimate dream in my life, and here it is. I want to sit in a stadium and watch other people perform. I want to sit on my sofa and watch a performance. I want to sit on the sidelines and watch other people achieve greatness. No one has ever said that sentence. No one. But yet, most of our world does that. Isn't that weird? No one ever declared that, yet we, 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 our dreams, somehow our heart got broken and our dreams didn't come true. So we opted to plan B, which was to watch greatness instead of perform greatness. That's the difference between a player and a fan. And a lot of times my clients, Deborah, or even my kids say to me, dad, Bo, it's really hard to be the best. So hard. And I always say, if you think being the best is hard, you should try being mediocre. Because, <laughs> because we, we're not made that way. We're not set up DNA-wise that way. So it's really hard for us to be fans. It's much easier for us to be the, the player. Now, that you, can, you have to put that in the connotation that, that you understand. I don't just mean athletics, right? I mean everything. Like, are you watching people achieve greatness or actually you, are people watching you achieve greatness? Now, I will give it up to our culture. They're smart. The entertainment world is really smart people. Uh, the Washington DC, very smart at keeping you a fan of them. Uh, or rather you watching them. The entertainment world, the sports world, the gaming world are so smart at keeping you watching them. You and me aren't made that way. You are meant to play, not watch. So that's the difference. There's a difference between players and fans. It's actually easy. I will promise you this. It is easier to be a fan because that's how you're made. It's really hard for us to watch players. Like I can't even watch other players play. I, I can for a minute and then I get inspired and I, I want to do what they do. Well, that's what you should be doing too. Instead of going, wow, look at them. I could never achieve this. That's just not true. You're not speaking the truth. That's the difference between players and fans. And here's the difference between players and fans too. Think about this. So say you and me are all fans and we're taking a bus to go watch some, some performance. Mikhail Brzezhnikov, dance, dance the nutcracker. So what do you and me, what are our options on the bus driving to go watch Mikhail Brzezhnikov? What is our, what are we eating? What are we drinking? What are we talking about? What's our attitude on the way to watch this performance? We can eat anything. We can fall asleep. We don't have to be present. We can drink any. We can be drunk. We can do anything, basically. We have every option is available to us. What options are available to Mikhail Brzezhnikov? 
who's waiting for us to arrive so that he can begin his performance. He has zero options, you guys. He has to be very specific on what goes in his mouth. He has very specific on his routine, on his sleep, on his training, on his, uh, the director, on staying present with the audience. Oh, he has no options. You and me as fans, we have all kinds of options. We can complain about the performance. We can love it. We can hate it. He has zero options. You guys, I want to be Mikhail Brezhnikov. I want to be no option guy. That's the position that we were born to be in. That's the one I want you in. Not the one with all the options and eat and drink anything, you know, and your happiness is based on the performer. If he does well, you're happy. If he sucks, you're unhappy. I'd rather be the guy who's in control of people's emotions rather than having someone control my emotions. That's why it's easier for you and me to be players. Cool? Totally explains why I'm not a very good spectator unless I'm watching my kids play. Right? <laughs> yeah, and even then, Deborah, you're not a fan. You're like in it. You're like a player out there, even though you're on the sidelines. I'm like that too. I can't put my fan hat on. Even when I'm watching my kids, I'm like, oh my God, oh, I'm feeling every emotion, every collision, every pain. <laughs> yeah, that's how it is. Well, we're almost at the end of the interview, but I also wanted to bring up, I pulled out my yoga ball and yeah. I'm doing my sacred six prior to our interview. And uh, I know we can't go through all of them, but I would love for you to expand so people will understand. I tell people, I post, that I'm a white tiger based on where we, I came from with the personal story power. And I know that you're a cheetah and how that shows up in our lives and how we can use the sacred six to really own that predator instinct and show up as the person we need to be every day. Yeah. The sacred six, what Deborah's talking about, the sacred six is a warm up. It's real. I think of it like this, like a permission slip. It's a permission slip for you to be who you naturally are, which I know this is bad news for some people and I don't want people to be offended by this, but we are animals. Us human beings are animals. Not only are we animals, we're predatory animals, right? So, and some people go, well, Bo, that's very masculine what you're talking about. No, it's not. All of you who have kids know your predatory instincts. All you ladies out there are grizzly bears, mama bears, when somebody comes to harm your little baby cubs. So you know this better than men. Um, the sacred six gets your body activated to release this predatory instincts because when you're on stage and you're the leader, like people are watching you, I want those predatory instincts uh, on high, in, in high gear. I don't want them to be dormant. So what Deborah's talking about is we go through these six phases uh, of a warm-up and one is to open up your feet which it sounds really strange but it it gets your feet and yeah we put our feet on these those balls and you get to start to feel your feet on the stage or on the ground and you start to open up your feet and you start to feel the the danger that us human beings actually possess which we are always constantly apologizing for in our culture right 
I, but you can't be apologetic in front of a camera. You can't be apologetic in front of people. If you're leading them, you think if you're a firefighter or a Navy SEAL, would you be apologetic about that job? Would you charge into a burning building going, oh, I hope I don't uh, disturb anybody here, but I want to put the fire out. Is that okay? But we do that in, in our lives all the time. Well, you can't do that. That's why we go through the sacred six gives you the permission to be as dangerous as you, as we are. Don't worry. You're not going to hurt people. Are you ever afraid of firefighters? Are you ever afraid of Navy SEALs? No. Are you ever afraid of a lion or a cheetah? Not really. You're like more in awe of them and pay them ultimate respect and give them a wide berth, but you're certainly not going, oh gosh, I'm going to run away. You don't do that. You freeze, you stop, and you go, this is another predator that I'm facing, which is we face in everyday life, and I'm going to hold my own right here because that's what predators respect, right? That's the whole concept behind this. I was trained by a guy, and Deborah was trained by a guy named Jean-Louis Rodrigue. And he's the best movement coach in the world. So whenever you see a great, great performance, you'll notice those great performers are never apologizing. I don't care if they're sitting at the piano and playing, like the greatest piano player in the world. They do not apologize for um, their, their masculinity or their femininity on that stage. They just will not do it. That's what I want for all of you. That's what Deborah's talking about, this this physical being that we are, which we're constantly apologizing for, I don't want you to do that. But to do what I'm telling you to do, you have to get warmed up, which is the sacred six. And it's so powerful. It really changes how you show up in the world, how you envision yourself to be. And when you see yourself, you start seeing the greatness in yourself show up and you yeah. are recognized by other people. They, they kind of give you that space and they're like, okay, I know that this room is safe because they're here. Yeah, that's right. So one of the questions is totally off topic related to the book, but I have a sense that the book will be part of the answer. What does it mean to you to live rich from the inside out? Oh, wow. Um, you know, I mean, that's where everything starts, right? So you can't have uh, uh, wealth unless you feel it in here, right? You can't be the best unless it starts here. Because the world just matches what's inside here. Like if so, if you see the world internally as against you, oh, the whole world's against me. Oh, those rich people are against me. Guess what? You can't have what they have. Because you see the world a certain way, it starts inside. So same thing with wealth, wealth, richness, uh, creativity all starts here. If you see the world like that, guess what you get? You get wealth, you get creativity, you get that whatever you want. Uh, so it's always internal. And then the outside world matches what is internal for you. Great. Thank you for sharing that. So Bo, how can people stay in touch with you? Yeah, well, you know, I, I'd love for everybody to get the book, you know, because I just think that's a, it is the manual to reach the top, you know, there's no plan B for your A games right there. Uh, if they go to boeasonbook.com, Deborah, boeasonbook.com, um, that's where there's more information, that's where they can get the book, and they also get other bonuses on there. Also, you know, they can go to Amazon, they can go to Barnes & Noble and buy the book, but uh, if you go to boeason.com, you get our boeason 
book.com, you get the bonuses, you get some training, you get some live stuff. So it's, it's pretty cool. Well, I want to thank you for so much for coming on the show. It was great to connect with you and see Don again. And um, it's, I want to just express my gratitude for what you're bringing into the world. Often uh, I'd have to say that I felt alone along the journey when people say that my standards are too high and they don't know if they could live up to them, but I know it it's really comes down to that personal standard. And it was refreshing to me to hear someone say, you're doing good. Yeah, it's great. Deborah, you know what's what's true about what you just said too is, and all of you watching today, um, you'll find that people secretly think and want to have the standards that you have. They respect it. They love it. They just don't know it's okay. So you're the way you live your life, Dan, uh, Deborah, with the standards you're actually inspiring other people to raise theirs and to live and to actually talk about it. That's what's cool about it. There's more of us out there than you think because we were all born number one. So somewhere in us, we recognize it. Yeah. Thank you for speaking into our greatness today. I want to thank uh, everyone for joining us on the show, whether you're watching it on YouTube or listening on your favorite podcast player. We're grateful that you've come. And we'd love for you to go over to the Millionaire Woman Show, rate, review, share it with your friends so more people can step into their greatness because there is only plan A. And um, Bo, did you have any final words you'd like to add? You know, just like I, everybody, please remember who you are. You aren't who society says you are. You're, you're, you were formed way before society and culture got a hold of you, way before the educational system got a hold of you, way before Hollywood and Washington, D.C. got a hold of you. You are the best. That is your birthright. Fulfill on your birthright. Stay loyal to that and nothing else. Thank you. You're welcome. Be the change you wish to see in the world. And on behalf of Bo and myself, go out and make today great.